When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Down there's the snap. Riley takes the drop. He unloads. He's going deep and it is complete. Touchdown, Eskimos! Duke Williams in the end zone. What a bomb from Riley, and the Eskimos have the lead. Huge play for the Eskimos right at the end of the first half. Put them ahead of the Stampeders 17 13, but they score only three points in the second half and lose 23 20 on Labor Day. So the Stamps have won seven straight. That's right, seven straight on Labor Day. They are clearly, once again, the class of the CFL with a record of 9-1. and one. The Eskimos at 6-5 and five are third in the West Division. Saskatchewan at 6-4 and four, uh, gets moved into second place because they have the game in hand. And despite the win today, Calgary coach Dave Dickinson not overly pleased. It was a classic game. It wasn't a classic as far as the execution and, uh, you know, basically uh, fundamentals of football. But that's okay. It's a great win. Uh, great crowd support. Man, the crowd was into it. Uh, I think the defense fed off of that. We lost some soldiers, no doubt about it, and we're banged up. So we'll see what, what the team looks like next week. But that was uh, great to get the win. Well, let's discuss that. Kamar Jordan went down. Bowl missed a little bit. Uh, Siante Evans down. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but obviously a big toll. It was a very physical and unlucky at times. Let's just see how it plays out. Um, you know, we win and lose as a team. We're doing a lot of winning, though, so that's important. Uh, so next man up is always our theory as, as well as everybody else's, but we really believe that we give our guys a lot of practice, and whoever's in there, we expect them to execute. Let's talk about Don Jackson. Had a strong game, had some turnovers, a little bit of a mixed bag. How about his contributions? Well, he had some good runs. I didn't think we did uh, overly well blocking inside. Uh, we'll have to see the film. Receivers were confused on our edge plays. Uh, Don wasn't, though. He ran hard. He's banged up as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get him uh, ready for the rematch. Discuss the situation down the stretch there. Under three minutes to go. Defense comes up with a big stand and Bow advances the ball just far enough to set up Rennie. Uh, you know, that's what you play for is to be ready for those last minute plays. If you look at it, it was great protection. The O-line held up, gave Bow that extra two, three seconds. And when you do that, we're going to get open. I thought Richie Sandani stepped up big in our receiving core and did a great job. We, we went to him in crunch time a few times. That was big. And, and ultimately, uh, Bo having the confidence to go to a young rookie like that. So uh, overall, not our best, but we'll take that win any day of the week. And five field goals for Rene Paredes, including the clutch kick, and they tried the old let's ice the kicker routine. Didn't work. Yeah, it wasn't a super clean exchange between the center uh, and the holder, Maves. Uh, we got on the tee, hit it well. It really helped having a win in the fourth quarter. Uh, kind of played out like I was hoping, uh, you know, when they would take the ball in the second half, and uh, that was big having that win in the fourth quarter. 
Dave Dickinson's talking to Mark Stephen from our sister station, News Talk 770 in Calgary, and the Stampeders win, and Coach Dickinson uh, didn't sound overly happy with how his team played. Doesn't bode well for the rematch on Saturday night. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, the rematch is Saturday at 5 on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. We'll have an extended pregame show starting at 3. We have the Oilers rookies at the Flames rookies on Sunday afternoon, 1.30 pregame show and the game will start at 2. Pleased to be joined in studio by the 2017 Heck Crichton winner as the best university football player in the country. Uh, outstanding career as the U of A Golden Bear, Ed Ilnicki dropping by. Hey Ed, thanks for coming in. No problem. Thanks Reed for having me. It's always a pleasure to come in and chat. Good to see you again. How was your, uh, how was your well I guess you had kind of an interesting summer. Uh, back uh, hoping to crack the Red Blacks and I, I thought it looked pretty good in the preseason, but uh, they decided uh, to go another way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic experience out in Ottawa. Got a chance to get back in there another year, learning the offense, learning from that veteran group. And yeah, odd man out when it came down to numbers towards the end of training camp there, but definitely enjoyed every second of it and got a lot out of it, not just as a football player, but just as a person continuing to grow and continuing to expand the things I see for myself beyond that so yeah a little bit of a it's always a humbling experience to not be the not be the guy get, that gets picked but I definitely enjoyed the time and I think I made the most of it while I was out there well uh, playing pro football is hard and uh, yeah. I know you I know you keep on chasing the the, the dream for sure um, I mean take us take us inside that coach's room um, I mean, most of us have never been cut from a pro football team because we've never even been close enough to being considered for a pro football team. How does the, how does the conversation actually play out? Yeah, and I think, I think a big part of it is taking a second to realize how few people even are in that position to have that conversation with a general manager, right? So I got to be grateful for that kind of thing the whole way along. Uh, we played the, the second preseason game was a chance when a lot of the younger guys got in and we got some good valuable times and valuable reps and to show what we could do. We finished that game. We played Toronto out in Guelph and we finished that game and we got back to the dorms. I think we were back at the dorms by about 2, 2.30 in the morning and I was in the GM's office the following morning by about 10.45 a.m. So it's quite a turnaround to go from the high of finishing a game and winning and playing relatively well as a whole group and as an individual player and to go into a that meeting to hear, hey, you know what, you have a future in football if that's what you're really looking for, but the opportunity is not here right now. Mm -hmm. And I respect the hell out of Marcel Desjardins for doing that job because there's no way I could have those kind of conversations every day and to put the hours in that those guys do. It takes, it's a very special brand of person to do that. So I, um, yeah, it's definitely a shock to the system when you go from, like I said, the high of a game to the down point of like calling my dad and being like, Hey, guess I'm coming home a little bit sooner than I thought. But, um, yeah, just got to try and roll with it and then move on to what's next. 35-28, Hamilton leading Toronto. This has been a good game as well. Uh, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Actually, Hamilton uh, down to about the Toronto 44, so they'll try to tack on some points here to make it a, a two-score game. Well, I mean, Ed, thanks for sh for sharing that, and we, we've had you on the show a lot, often about uh, great performances. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean you, you, you roll with uh, the ups and downs of the game, and, and that's, you know, every athlete's been through that if you can't handle uh, a little bit of rejection or a little bit of disappointment then you're probably in the wrong business so thank thanks for sharing what that was like uh i gotta ask you this because uh you gave 
one of the best clips ever in the history of Inside Sports. We were lucky enough to interview you about half an hour after you won the Heck Crichton Award. Yeah. And uh, you gave an incredible clip about your, your grandpa and how he inspires you. So I could ask, how's your grandpa doing? Oh, man, he's he's fantastic. He uh, We were just watching, we watched the Edmonton game earlier today together, and he was just taking a break from football because he gets he starts to get into nap territory around 6 p.m. So middle of the Hamilton game, he decides he's not that invested in Tyson's calls it for a little while but he's doing really well he got to see myself um now his fifth grandchild graduate from university this year my sister so now he's seen four of his six grandchildren get married this summer and it's unbelievable some of the memories that we've gotten to make together and the experiences that i've gotten to share with him and hear his feedback on things along the way it's been very very special for both of us and i'm excited because i know he's going to be around for a lot longer than and be around for a lot more great things to see. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, how old is he again? He's 92. And he's your, is he your dad's dad? He's my dad's, he's your dad's, dad's dad. Yeah. And now was he, was he a sports guy, a football guy, like before you, you played and obviously, you know, you were great in high school and great in university or did he sort of be like, okay, Ed's playing. I got to yeah. learn about this game. Yeah. I think something I think about him is he never, he never tried to be overbearing in any way. Any interaction I've seen him in, he's never somebody who's going to try and force a conversation a certain way or try and force a certain outcome to happen. He very much rolls with what's going along, and he's and he's been there to enjoy it for a long time. And maybe that's partially him as a grandfather, but I think that's just one of the best parts about his personality. So um, when we were growing up, he was never the one to come in and say, like, you have to be doing this, you should be playing this, this is wrong, this is wrong. He was just so happy, the emotion that we saw on his face every time we finish a game any of my cousins to finish a game and get to talk to him after and uh, he just wants to know how things are going how you're feeling about everything so he very supportive uh, very much wanted to be involved as much as he could and get to experience as much of our sporting lives or as much of anything that we did um, he put everything he could into that but he was never going to try and push the envelope in any one direction and never try and force us into any kind of decision Masoli throwing on the run he's really come a long way in that area of the game over the last couple of years finds Brandon Banks who dives into the end zone extending to get over that pylon 41-28 Hamilton 4-17 to go point after touchdown to come as uh, Toronto hung in there falling behind but uh, I mean Toronto's better or pardon me Hamilton's better Hamilton's better than Toronto and they're showing it here late in the game uh, Ed so, so you watch the Eskimos this afternoon uh, mm-hmm. obviously big discussion point on our, our airwaves uh, throughout the I mean Man, like it, it was there. I I don't know what you yeah. think, and, and and I know guys who have played the game like you sometimes have a different perspective. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's 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 there because he, he, those drives with the turnovers, even if you punt, yeah, you're. Calgary starting position. 40 yards back with a little less time to work with. Yeah, and the margins are just so thin at that level, and between two teams that are have so much talent across the board it's going to be it's going to come down to those kind of mistakes here and there for especially watching Edmonton being able to run the football the way they did today against Calgary that was something that hasn't happened a lot this season so that was very impressive to watch and that was a big factor and it's always something I think it's an old school coach's mentality that if you can run the football you're going to have a pretty good chance to win but it's also a 
pretty classic um, coaching line that whoever wins the turnover battle is going to end up winning the football game. And you, you just give a good team enough opportunities, like a team like Calgary, to hang around, and you're not able to put it away. And that's the kind of outcome that can happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I always simplify it by saying there, there are two ways to win. One, make more plays than the other team or B, make fewer mistakes than the other mm-hmm. team. And, and I think today, Calgary won by making fewer mistakes. I mean, there were yeah. f- few big plays either way. There, it, w- it wasn't a, a run-and-gun run type game. I mean, no. Duke had the long touchdown. Jackson had the one 44-45 yard run, whereas Bum just didn't quite touch the ground, and he, and he got up and run. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very defensive game, and, uh, you know, the Eskimos took uh, three chances off the board to, to, to try to score. C.J. Gable, 14 carries for 65 yards. Uh, and many of those in the first quarter, and that's what I like. The Eskimos didn't come out with, uh, okay, every pass has to be 25 yards. They established CJ a little bit and used some clock. Uh, Jackson actually wound up with 17 carries for 115. I, it's funny. I thought the Eskimos contained him maybe a, a little yeah. bit, but he broke he, he broke he a, couple, a couple here and there. But I mean, yeah. they contained him on first down uh, pretty good, but he was able to pop off a couple. Yeah, it's just, and that's what it is, right? It's chipping away. It's chipping away at the armor of that defense. And it, like you said, a couple turnovers. I mean, they had some great special teams plays all over the place. Both sides did. You have, and then the odd penalty here and there and where a drive gets extended, that penalty late in the game where uh, Calgary had a chance to reset and kick a field goal. Like, those are things that you're going to w- watch on film. And I had had a few coaches went back when I was in high school that would talk about there's like maybe there's maybe five plays in a football game when you're playing two really good teams that are really going to make a difference. And you know a flag here, a fumble here, and you're on the you're on the wrong end of those five plays. So it was it was tough to watch because I've always been a hometown guy and I want to see that Edmonton team do Edmonton team do well but it's also just it was great to see that competitive of a football game because that Labor Day game hasn't been very competitive for the last few years. Ed Elnicki is in studio former U of A Golden Bears running back Heck Crichton winner last season as the best university football player in the entire country. You can text your questions for Ed to 630-630. We're coming right back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Live edition Labor Day. Hope you've had a great weekend. Thanks for wrapping it up with 630 Ched. Eddie Nicky is in studio. Outstanding career as a running back for the Alberta Golden Bears. Won the Heck Crichton last year. A draft pick of the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Ed was telling the story about uh, coming up just short of training camp. Uh, you had an interesting experience this summer. You went to you went to UConn. I did. I did, yeah. I drove up the Alaskan Highway on wow. my own. It's incredible, but to anyone that wants to do it, have everything that you could possibly need because it's you, like there's you go stretches 500 kilometers where you don't get cell service and so if you if you blow a tire or something happens like you're entirely on your own so wow. it was pretty cool it so was, was this uh like was this northern bc into yeah, into yukon is that yeah, how you went so fort st john fort yeah. nelson all the way up to whitehorse got up to dawson city way up north yeah. and spent some time around there came back through bc which was a little bit iffy around the forest fires but oh, geez. just had to be smart about it and take some time to figure out routes and stuff and the nice part about doing it solo is you're totally you can go wherever you want you're not on anybody else's agenda so can make alterations as you see fit and would you go it's extended periods and i mean look maybe this is a totally ignorant question but would you go extended periods without seeing another vehicle even oh yeah oh, absolutely you, yeah. yeah driving up driving up to dawson city on the klondike highway it's, it's about six hours and you yeah maybe a tour bus 
here and there. Really? Yeah, it's pretty. So is there like, cool. is, does somebody like have a gas station like yeah. halfway? Is there the odd little? Yeah, I didn't have to worry about that. But <laughs> okay. I've heard too, like if you hit it, if you hit the highway on the wrong stretch of the year, that you'll get to some of those spots and it's like we were out of gas, like the tourist spot, all oh, the gas, geez. and then you're. And the next one's not for another 300 kilometers. So you got to be smart. I, you have a jerry can with you, right. that kind of stuff, like literally. But you see cars come by you that are ready for the zombie apocalypse. Like these <laughs> the guys have, they got five tires strapped to the roof. They've got like eight jerry cans sitting on their back of the car. And just, it's incredible. It's really cool. Really special part of the world. I'm really glad I got to go up there and visit. Some other football over the weekend. The Edmonton Wildcats improved to one and two in Prairie Junior Football Conference play, beating the Calgary Colts, who are really having a tough year. 48 nothing. the Wildcats won that one. The Huskies dropping a 28-17 decision to Regina, and despite being 2-1, and one, the Huskies are third. The Saskatoon Hilltops are 3-0. and oh. Regina is also 2-1. and one. They get the tiebreaker on the Huskies because of the head-to-head win. The uh, Wildcats' fifth, Winnipeg 1-2, and two, has the tiebreaker over the Wildcats. So uh, early, uh, and it's tight, and a tough one for the U of A Golden Bears. Your former team, Ed, mm-hmm. uh, close first half, and it uh, spun out of control in the second half. Saskatchewan Huskies beating the Golden Bears 44-zip on Friday night. Man. Yeah. You not, you had a few of those, unfortunately, in your career. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the best part about playing in the Can West is you can go from a game like that to being, you can be winning by the same margin. And I mean, U of A is still a program that's doing a lot of work to get to that position, but there's no better place to play in the country than in the Canada West Conference, getting to compete against very, very good athletes. So I have a lot of faith in what Coach Morris is doing to get things turned the right way around. And I know those guys are going to compete every night they go out there. It doesn't matter the record. It doesn't matter the score the week before. They're going to find a way to reset and put some good work in this week and be ready to go when Regina comes to town on Friday. Uh, I mean, for, you know, early for you in your Golden Bears career, I mean, like really tough years. Yeah. I mean, how did you guys stay up? Uh, you got to fall in love with the process and especially as a running back like you don't the the three months for me as a season those were probably like that was probably the more stressful part of the year because games was for me was you got to go out and do your job and if you don't you only get eight games a year to show what you can do in the regular season and so for me this part that I always fell in love with was the training and the environment around that and loving practice and loving every second of every minute, uh, every minute that I spend in that locker room and spent with the coaches and continuing to learn and grow because, yeah, the game the games go by fast and sometimes they don't go your way and sometimes there's things that are out of your control but falling in love with the process of getting there I think is the biggest thing especially in those early years when we didn't have a lot to celebrate on Saturday nights so yeah it takes it takes a and it, it's not for everybody. You able to stick around for a few minutes after the news? Absolutely. Great stuff. Ed Nicky is in studio. 42-28. Hamilton has just finished off Toronto. Well, they're just kneeling down to finish it off. 42-28. Hamilton over Toronto. Eskimos. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lose earlier, 23-20 in Calgary. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight live from the palatial 630 Chad Broadcasting Compound. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm joined in studio by Ed Ilnicki, former U of A Golden Bears running back, best university football player in the country last year. He won the Heck Crichton Trophy, uh, but it has not been uh, very good on the field for U of A. Uh, Jay texts in, Ed, and he says, Chris Morris is now 9-40 and 40 as Bears head coach. Worst 50-game stretch in U of A history. When does Chris Morris get fired? There's a text from Jay. It's a great question, and I, yeah, I can understand the frustration when you look at the win-loss record, and especially those first few years. Um, I was talking to Reed here just during the break that my response to that is always that there's a lot more to a college football program, and in my opinion, it should be something that should be done at every university across the country, but I think we do things a little bit differently at U of A. So if you look at the academic success, the number of academic All-Canadians we have as a football team compared to other university programs across the country, I think that's something that we're very proud of and something that shows that Coach Morris has built a very special culture at University of Alberta. I think you look at how we're regarded in the community, not just in Edmonton, but within the university, within the athletics community, how our players go about their day, those are things that aren't very visible and those are things that it's very easy to look at win-loss record and say that Coach Morris doesn't deserve to be there. But I think if you talk to guys that come out of the program, there's only a select few number of guys that the win-loss record is going to have a big impact on long term. Um, my experience as a Golden Bear football player, not a lot of people are going to be talking about what I did as a football player five years from now, but a lot of the lessons that I learned from Coach Morris as a person, how to approach my day-to-day interactions, how to approach my relationships, I think those are things that are going to serve me very well in the community, hopefully in Edmonton and hopefully beyond that for a very long time. So, Jay, I get your frustration. It's not easy for me to sit back and see the team struggle on the field in that way, but I promise, promise you when I tell you that Coach Morris is putting things in place that are going to serve all of those athletes for a very long time. Another text says, uh, Reed, can you ask Ed what his major was at the U of A? Uh, yeah, I studied, I did a major in finance at the Alberta School of Business. Um, yeah, great program, had a blast the whole way along, kind of was figuring things out as it goes through, but um, I think that's the experience of every university student. You flip-flop between a lot of different things <laughs> along the way, and I got lucky. I fell into a program I really liked, and I enjoyed studying with the people around there. So, yeah, finance was a great program. Highly recommend Alberta School of Business if anybody gets a shot at it. There, there's a side to university life where uh, oftentimes it's the uh, first opportunity for young men and women to socialize uh, without... Uh, adult chaperoning <laughs> uh but i mean you're you're you you're a high level athlete were you um did you like or did you limit your alcohol consumption did you <laughs> ban alcohol from your body all the time uh you know were you uh yeah. no sugar like well, no, tell me a little about that no i think i think every university athlete will tell you it's like you have to find ways to let off some steam when you can and 
Um, I have to shout it out to all of my friends in the athletics department because we had we had some great parties along the way. We had a lot of fun together. <laughs> um, a lot of the teams at U of A, it's a really cool culture. Um, we spent a lot of time. I know a lot of great guys that had played on the basketball teams, on the volleyball teams. A lot of a lot of pandas across the board. We had a really great time celebrating together, and it only happened a few times a year when everybody's season had a break or had a pause. Um, but we found we found ways to enjoy it. But we also we still do very well in the classroom. Most academic all Canadians of any university in the country. So yeah. you can't you can't fault us too much for having fun. When you well, no, I can't blame you. I, I think that, but but I mean, you have to find that balance. So were you when you were in school? Yeah, like during the school year, what was a typical day like for you if right. if there was one? Yeah, so we started uh, number one. Number one rule as a student athlete is you do not start class before 10 a.m. if you can avoid it because right. <laughs> you just like things go late every night. You end up watching too much film at practice or whatever it is. So for me, I tr- wouldn't try to avoid classes starting anytime before that. But you have class kind of any time in that window from like nine to four. Um, I know. We had we always started meetings. I think we moved it back to about 5:30, so we'd have meetings from 5:30 to seven or so, and be on the field 7:30 to 9:30, 10 or so. Those were kind of our major. So days. it's a four to five hour daily commitment to be on the football yeah. team. Yeah, running the hours like between travel and then you get factor in a couple of training sessions per week during the year. It's somewhere between 50 and 60 hours a week, depending on Gee. film. I mean, it's different. Would I you think, get Sunday off or sometimes you, watch you film get Sunday. one day off for sure? You'd so find, when would you do your homework? <laughs> you got to find time during the week. Like I know you're not in class for yeah. six hours straight, ten yeah. to four, so you got to budget the time in there. Definitely some breaks. Um, I was one that I tried to get stuff done on the road when we would be traveling, and mm-hmm. we we have a few days like if we're overnight at a hotel or something. That's honestly, it was a good time to like try and get something done because otherwise you're kind of just sitting around watching TV because you don't want to do too much the night before the game anyway, unless you're like visiting family or something like that. So try and find a bit of time throughout the week. And then honestly, that day off, whenever it is, you just got to plug away and get all your work done. And you got to be smart about your class schedule too, because for football anyways, you have this really intense season for two, three months. And then you kind of get a bit of a break and your schedule Mm -hmm. is a bit more regular. But for some of the other sports, like for the volleyball players, basketball and hockey players, their season stretches all year. So you just got to be really good at managing your time. So I have a lot of respect for those athletes because I I don't know, like I always tried to load up with a bit of my tougher classes in winter because you know you're just going to have a little bit more time to do stuff. Would you take spring and summer courses too? Because if you couldn't take a full load in the fall? Yeah, I picked up one or two, but I mean, you stretch your degree out to five years right. and that, that frees up a bit of time I took a couple over the spring and summer which like between training and work and then taking another class is a lot but uh, found ways to get it done I know um, some athletes will pick up block classes too or they they um, crush through like an entire semester's worth of material in three four weeks oh really so you can you can get it done people find ways to do it all the time so Ed Elnicki joining us in studio, uh, U of A Golden Bear. Uh, there was a story uh, last, uh, well, a few months ago uh, that uh, I was reporting on. Uh, you were nominated for the uh, BLG Award as the best athlete in the country, mm-hmm. not just football. Uh, it, it was it, it is my belief, and it remains my belief based on the evidence I gathered and things I was told by other people, that your chances of winning the award were at the very least hindered by your inability to attend uh, the award ceremony because you were with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, 
I got a few different answers from different people. Mm-hmm. I, I got I got a lot of my questions were uh, evaded or a finger was pointed. Oh, go ask that person, yeah. which was which was uh, frustrating. It, it's you know I was led to believe that it it it's helpful if an athlete attends because the voters actually vote that weekend mm-hmm. and like to interview the athletes. Uh, like did that bug you at all? Did you pay any attention to that or like? Yeah, definitely was something that I had to put some thought towards, and I think a big part of that was that's such a rare opportunity as a student athlete to get to represent your university across the entire country and at such a, an elite level. So definitely had to had to make a decision on it. Had some conversations with um, some of the staff at within the athletics department at U of A just about how it's gone in the past and understanding the situation. But it's a decision I had to live with and I knew that going in and I was fully committed to what Ottawa was trying to build and my opportunity to make that full. Yeah, I mean, you team, couldn't so. leave training camp for a weekend. No, absolutely. To go, absolutely to go potentially was, accept it. And, and look, no. no disrespect to the other nominees or the or the individual who won it. Um, I think you would. <laughs> it, it it just was an odd set of circumstances, and uh, I, I'm not. I, I put you on the spot there. Mm-hmm. So thanks for answering because I, I know, you know, you were trying to make the Red Blacks. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the, that story started for me is because of something Ian Reed tweeted out. Ian Reed is your athletic director. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't manufacture this uh, out of nowhere. Yeah. And I don't mind saying people at the U of A were mad about it and people with Canada West were and, and are mad about it. So so there was something there. Uh, I wish there would have been a little more openness and some of the information from from other parties. But, in, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, I just, the only thing I can say in hindsight is that I hope U Sports and all the conferences spend some time looking at it to make sure that a conflict like that doesn't happen again. Because I would never want any student athlete to have to go through that type of decision. For me, it was relatively easy given my circumstance. Yeah. But I know lots of volleyball players and hockey players that are competing for international level teams that that conflict may happen where they aren't able to make they don't want to have to make that decision and i don't think that's something that any student athlete should have to choose between so i just hope that it's something that can be remedied and i think i hope it kind of sent a message in a way yeah well i mean the email the u of a received was that your chances of winning the award would be compromised if you didn't win mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I wind up talking, well, well that's maybe that wording, maybe that's, well, if that's not what you mean, don't say it in an email. Yeah. Don't, don't make it sound like, so, so something something went on there. But uh, regardless, you won the Heck Crichton. You had a great career with you. What are you up to these days uh, besides you're back from the north now? What, yeah. are, what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with family. Got the chance to see my sister get married over the summer, which was very special. Um, the last few weeks, been spending some time around the Edmonton football community. So popped in a couple nights last week with, I was stopped by Edmonton Huskies practice to work with their coaches. They have a great staff. They're putting together a really good program and I'm really excited to see how they do the rest of the way down the year. Tough game for them versus Regina, but yep. the Huskies are going to be very good and very competitive this year. Stop by a few high school programs. I've got some friends coaching at Emmy Lazert that's moving up to Division Two. so some great athletes and some great kids in that part of the city, and I was really glad to work with them for a bit. What do you try to communicate to, to young running backs or high school running backs? Simple. Keep it very simple. Uh, number one thing, and we talked about turnovers a little bit earlier right. with the Eskimos. I told them, I'm like, if you're a running back and you put the ball on the ground, it's a very quick way to make sure you're not going to be playing and you're right. going to be around on a team for a very long time. Ball security and pass protection, because 
great athletes always get stuck at running back, guys that have natural abilities, guys that can see the field, that sort of thing. But if you can pass protect and you can hold onto the football, you can play for a very, very long time. You may not play in the CFL, but you'll get the, you can get the chance to play at the junior level. You can play at the CIS level if you can do those two things very well, because not a lot of athletes spend time working on it. So those are the things that I tried to spend some time with the younger guys. Ed, uh, you know, it's, it's great to uh, stay in contact with you here uh, after your U of A career. Uh, hope this isn't the last time you're on the show. Uh, all the best in your future endeavors, football and otherwise. Really appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, no, Reed, it's always always a pleasure. It's always great talking about everything going on in the football world and everything beyond. So looking forward to the next little bit here. That's Ed Ilnicki, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Well, great to catch up with Ed Ilnicki, 2017 Heck Crichton winner, former running back for the Alberta Golden Bears. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, earlier today, uh, 23-20, Stampeders over the Eskimos. Game was there for the Eskimos in the second half. They turned the ball over three times, got the ball late with the game tied at 20. They got it on their own 41 with a minute 47 left. I was thinking, all right, they need uh, three first downs. Use some clock, have White kick it maybe in the last 30 seconds. That should get you the win. Instead, they wind up punting, and uh, Calgary has it in their own end. The Eskimos sacked Bo Levi Mitchell on his own 25 with 58 seconds left, but an illegal contact penalty called on Chris Edwards kept that drive alive, and the Stamps take it down and kick a field goal with no time left to win for the seventh consecutive year on Labor Day and they are 9 and 1 on the season. Saskatchewan is 6 and 4, Edmonton is 6 and 5, Winnipeg is 5 and 6, BC is 3 and 6. The Lions have uh, already had all 3 of their bye weeks, so they have a couple games in hand on Edmonton and Winnipeg, one each on uh, Calgary and Saskatchewan. Hamilton over Toronto 42-28. So Ottawa is 6 and 4. Hamilton gets up to five and five. Toronto three and seven, and Montreal uh, not out of it. They are three and eight. Still likely to be a crossover, unless uh, Toronto or Montreal can go on a run. Likely, you will have four teams from the West in the playoffs again, and uh, just two from the East. Pretty muddy. Pretty muddy after Calgary. I think Saskatchewan right now has emerged as uh, the second best team in the league, but changes quickly i mean they go into winnipeg and lose uh then will be, be a different story close games for the eskimos um you gotta win them it, uh, games decided by eight points or less the eskimos are three and four not good enough games decided by three points or less the eskimos have had five of their 11 games decided by three points or less they are just two and three in those games and uh, you compare that to teams with better records, Eskimos years uh, where they've had better records. And, uh, you know, we talked about the the run. In, and look, the run in 2015 for the Eskimos was exceptional. That doesn't happen often where you win your last eight regular season games and, uh, and then you win your two playoff games to win the Grey Cup. But a lot of those games were decided by single digits. And uh, the Eskimos were coming out on top of those, and it's not happening this time around. Well, let's flash back to this. 
the beauty of hindsight. Nick Lewis, all-time receptions leader in the CFL and former Calgary Stampeder, had him on Inside Sports last week before this Labor Day Classic, and I asked him the uh, keys for the Eskimos to pull out a win. I think the two things Edmonton has to do well is, one, they have to get pressure on Bo with five five players uh it's hard to bring blitzes on calgary uh they're very prepared and they're able to get the ball out uh the receivers are making big plays you see what kamar's doing um and also i believe on offense you need to ball control the game because whenever you put calgary in a situation like when sass did and you ball control the game then now calgary has to be the team to go out and make big plays when they're not really the big play team they're more of the uh, methodical go down and score give our defense some rest uh punt the ball we'll score when we have great chances and they're going to do their play that game so whenever they're doing that that's the best way for them to play and if edmonton can keep the ball and make Bo become a big play guy then they have a better chance of uh, getting some interceptions and, and doing that well you know the eskimos did get some pressure today four sacks two by alex bazzi jake serezna and nick usher each got credited with one usher also had that fumble recovery down to the 10 yard line that set up a cj gable touchdown uh, now, Bo Levi obviously, uh, you know, limited mobility-wise, suffered a knee injury, did come back into the game. But the Eskimos got some pressure, and, you know, they they had some decent drives. But, but again, the turnovers in, uh, in the second half, and here's the thing, all three of the turnovers were on the first play of the drive. So it wasn't like they took off a, a chunk of yardage and got some real estate back and, and, and maybe whittled the time down a little bit. Those were all turnovers on the first play of drives. Three out of four drives, third quarter into the fourth. Riley's intercepted, Duke fumbles. Uh, then Edmonton had a okay drive that ended with the excellent O'Neill punt inside the one. Calgary doesn't move the ball, gives it back to Edmonton on the 45, and then Gable fumbles on the first play of that drive. So, you know, they... They did some of the things Nick Lewis was talking about. They they did some of those things well, but the mistakes very costly and uh, coughing the bo- the ball back up to Calgary and and eventually the Stamps stick with it and get the field goal in the last play of the game. And Calgary can play better. <laughs> That's what that I mean. Sure, the Eskimos can play better. Absolutely, uh, I I think there's a lot of room improvement for for Calgary. The, quite frankly, I didn't think the Stamps started the game very well. Uh, a couple uh, bobbles on kick returns. Uh, the Eskimos, I thought, were controlling the line of scrimmage for most of the first quarter. Uh, Dave Dickinson referenced some some poor blocking by receivers on running plays in in his interview. So they're probably looking at that game saying, "Oh man, we got a lot to correct." We've we got a lot to correct, which doesn't bode well for the Eskimos on Saturday night. We will have the rematch for you here on 6.30, Chad. 5 o'clock kickoff. Our pregame coverage will start at 3. Oilers, rookies, uh, Oilers rookie game Sunday afternoon from Calgary. 1.30 pregame. Game of two, Oilers at Flames. Besides Ed Ilnicki, you also heard from Jamie Thomas and Jack Michaels. Thanks to everybody who texted and called in as well. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening the one and only Patrick Bauer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Live show on Labor Day. Back tomorrow at 6. And the Coaches Show with Jason Moss will be on tomorrow at 7.30 with Morley and Jason. So that will be interesting to hear. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.